you look at the title, you can tell I was having a hard time figuring out what to call this. So, uh, it is your halftime pep talk. It's basically going to be a, a lengthy group counseling session, and I'll, you'll understand why in a minute. Uh, so, you know, uh, we're down a little bit at half, but it's okay. We're totally a fourth quarter team. You know that, right? We're going to win. We just need to make some adjustments. So I'm going to address that this morning. Uh, anybody here feel like it's been a tough half, feel a little tired and beat up? Yeah. Okay. There's a reason for that. Uh, I'm going to explain it. Okay. So let's jump in. Uh, what uh, I'm going to go back to, I think it's somewhere in the 90s. I'm not entirely sure, but somewhere in the 90s, I was looking at prophetic words and I'm looking at national prophetic words, and I think I literally had uh, some prophetic words about judgment coming to America, and some prophetic words about revival coming to America, and uh, I'm looking at them, and I, I'm just kind of going, well, God, which one? And uh, God said both, and highlighted a passage to me. All right, which is Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2, uh, where God says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen on you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise on you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Do you see the both there? So God's saying, darkness is going to increase my light is going to increase. What's going to go away is the gray, which I think we see happening. Now, just a little uh, qualifier. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I understand that this verse in context in Isaiah 60 is specifically talking about Zion, about Israel and about Jerusalem. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not culturally appropriating, uh, you know, Jerusalem even though uh, because I put faith in Jesus, I have all the promises of Abraham, so I'm allowed to, right? Isn't that cool? We can culturally appropriate everything God has through Abraham. But uh, I'm not saying it's not about Israel. It is specifically about Israel, and it's about something that will happen in Jerusalem, uh, I believe, uh, coming up as the nations are gathering in the Valley of Megiddo, and all that comes down, and Jesus comes in, into the millennium. What it's doing, though, is it's revealing a principle that is consistent. That's just a specific application of the principle. The consistent principle is that as we get closer to the end, it will get darker and we will get more glorious. Um, there will be judgment in the earth. There will be revival in the earth. Uh, they aren't mutually exclusive. And, uh, and people will be choosing those things. And, and in fact, uh, he, this is why I'm bringing this up, because in uh, I was praying at morning prayer, uh, which we do back in the Canyon Club every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 7 to 8.30 in case you're bored at that time. <laughs> so I'm praying, and we got other folks praying, and this, uh, this concept kept coming up to me, this, this uh, increase in darkness, an increase in uh, the glory of the Lord on us. And uh, what I kind of felt like God was showing me is that 
when that happens, uh, there's going to be an increase in conflict between those two things. Or in other words, an increase of spiritual warfare. And I thought, huh, that seems very intuitive. You'd think I'd have realized that. Uh, but uh, he was highlighting it. He was putting his thumb on it. He was saying specifically to me, hey, you might want to talk about this. You might want to, you know, give the people a halftime pep talk because they're kind of getting beat up because uh, this spiritual warfare is increasing right around us. Now, without being specific, you don't have to tell me. Uh, I've talked to a few people enough to know, and Rachel and I are experiencing this as well. Uh, are, are you feeling like that? Like, holy cow, what's going on? Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I've been struggling with this, and now I'm struggling with this, or I'm feeling that thing, or I'm just waking up in the middle of the night feeling fear, or I'm just, this is happening, that's happening. Uh, it's an increase in spiritual warfare, okay? And, and I know, maybe not all of us, but I know it's happening. And so God's saying, uh, need to encourage everybody because this is going on. And so today, all I want to do is talk about five things that you need to know to respond appropriately when there is an increase in spiritual warfare in your life. So it should be very practical, and, uh, and we'll just get on with it, all right? Does this make sense? Okay. Anybody, are you guys with me, either you or someone you know, on the increase in spiritual warfare thing? Okay, yeah, lots of yeahs. That's what I thought. All right. So, five things that God highlighted to me that we're going to need to do to uh, survive this, to thrive in this, to win in the second half. All right? So, first, stand firm on, or stand on the firm foundation of the knowledge of Christ. Now, we've talked a lot in the past about all of these things. I've done whole teachings on almost every one of these topics, so I'm not going to do that today. But uh, the knowledge of Christ is a big deal. It's all through the scriptures that we're to pursue the knowledge of Christ. Now, what I'm specifically talking about here is the knowledge of Christ's heart, what he's like, what Jesus is like, what Jesus thinks about you. And here's why. Uh, the Bible says, Paul says, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. Sometimes uh, we are, but we shouldn't be ignorant of the enemy's devices, right? And so uh, a couple of, I've found, common devices of the enemy are these. One, uh, his tactics are to confuse the source of the issue. In other words, very simply, uh, I'm attacking you, and when you turn and look at me, I go, wasn't me. Wasn't me. It's probably you. You might need a new medication. There's, just watch TV at night, and there's a whole list. You can pick one that will deal with the issue I just, oh, I mean that you just have. Right? Now, I'm not saying every issue uh, is the devil. I'm not saying there's no need for medication. I'm not making, I'm not categorizing everything. I'm just saying some of it is the devil, and he doesn't want you to think it is. Or he wants you to think it's God. Uh, here's some oppression. And by the way, that's happening because you aren't doing very well and God's pissed at you. This doesn't happen to anyone here, right? Right? 
God's not happy with you. If you'll try harder, but right now I wouldn't talk to God because, you know, you haven't been doing that well. Maybe do better first, then bring it up with God. That sounds biblical, right? No. This is a primary tactic of the enemy, to confuse the source of the issue. So the first thing is, when it's spiritual attack, you have to identify it as spiritual attack. His favorite thing is to ask questions. Remember the garden? Did God really say? He just changes and varies that theme all the time. Did God really say? Did God really? Maybe God said this. Maybe it's this. You ever gotten stuck in a loop while you're fighting something like this? And all you're doing is, is trying to answer unanswerable questions until you realize, wait a minute, why am I answering these questions? They ever happen to you? Okay, we need to be aware of his devices. He will confuse the source of the issue. So the first thing you got to do is know that when it's him, it's, I'm not saying everything's him. don't want to give him more credit. Some of it is just our own stuff. A lot of our stuff is because we're not that smart. Uh, but uh, just be honest. Or we don't know the Bible that well. But uh, a lot of it's him. And when it is, we need to quit answering questions and start making statements to him or at him. The other thing, his favorite tactic, is to isolate you from God. I kind of talked about this earlier. Ooh, uh, you're doing terrible with that issue that I'm putting on you. You're not, you're not winning. You're not overcoming. Uh, God's not happy with you. Uh, you lost your temper. Um, trouble. Right? He will do anything he can do to isolate you from the one person who can help you, which is God. Because between just me and devil... Straight up, he'll outlast me. He'll always win. But me and God versus devil, I always win. Right? So, uh, he has to isolate us from God. There's a verse, and it's a spiritual warfare verse in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6. I love this passage. In verse 5, it says, There are things in high places that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. You understand that, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, I say we need to stand on a firm foundation of the knowledge of God, that God is for us, that God loves us, the basic attitude of God's heart towards us. What those high things do is exalt themselves against that specific knowledge and say, that's not true. Does God really love you? Does God really Look at you and smile, or does he look at you and shake his head? Anybody heard that voice? So he's exalting himself against the knowledge of Christ. God isn't really like you think he is. And the next verse tells us what we're to do about that. It says that we're to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, we're to go, no brain... I'm not going to think that God is like that. I'm going to take that captive. I'm going to physically restrain that thought and make it conform to what I've read in the Bible. Now, here's the thing. Are you ready? This may be different than the way you're feeling. (laughs) 
This is going to, everybody sitting down, this is going to blow your minds. Your feelings may not be accurate. You may not want to just be led by your feelings. Just a thought. You have to take those thoughts slash feelings captive to the obedience of Christ. To do that, to stand on that firm foundation of the knowledge of Christ, uh, you're going to need scripture. Now, there's a whole bunch of places you can go to do this. I'm just going to give you a few of my favorites just for fun, just to get you started, okay? Um, one of them is Ephesians 1.6, that we're accepted in the beloved. Here's what that means. The beloved is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who have been really, 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 really good friends for eternity. <laughs> They're a family. And they said, let's bring Tony into the family. Let's fully accept him as a part of this Godhead. Amen. So now it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Tony. I am accepted in this intense loving family. Fully. You might, oh, you too? Awesome. Anyone else? Okay. Now do you see how this might combat that feeling? So we renew our minds with this thing. This is true. It doesn't say I'm accepted in the beloved when I'm really, 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 really good. It actually says I'm accepted in the beloved because Jesus was really, 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 really good. And made me perfect by being the sacrifice for my sin. That's awesome. Right? That's the gospel. So I'm accepted in the beloved. Romans 8, 15. I've been adopted. I am an adopted Son of God. I'm not just a servant. I'm adopted. I'm his kid. Good. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says that, in essence, it, it says there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And then he gives us a list, just in case that wasn't enough. Right? Neither height, nor depth, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any created thing. That's pretty comprehensive, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I have, uh, there's nothing, I could try, and God won't quit loving me. That's right. Nothing can separate me from his love. I can separate myself from him, but nothing can separate me from his love, right? And so, knowing this, uh, I jump to Hebrews 4.16. It says, basically, uh, and the verses leading up to it talk about uh, how we sin, and God never did. Jesus never did. We do. He understands. That's what it says. And then it says, but we all, um, but that we come boldly before the throne of grace, that we can receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Now, in the context, our time of need is when you're a, just a filthy, lousy sinner. What do you do then? Well, that voice, that feeling will say, you should hide from God, clean up your act a little bit, and then ease back into church maybe. Right? The scripture says, come boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy, that's forgiveness, and grace, that's empowerment to do better. That's good. To receive mercy and grace. Come boldly. 
get out of my way. You aren't sinning as much as I am. I'm cutting in line. I need to get to the throne, get in dad's lap. I need mercy and grace. And you can only have that attitude if you really get the foundation of Jesus, of who you are because of Jesus, right? Because when we get in spiritual warfare, uh, there's going to be some bumps and bruises, right? And so we have to have this. Uh, Ephesians 3.17 says, uh, one of the fa my favorite prayers of Paul, uh, says that we're to let Christ dwell in our hearts through faith and be rooted and grounded in what? Love. love. Rooted and grounded in love. Are you rooted and grounded in love? Are you so confident that God loves you that even when you're a big, smelly, sinny mess, you can run boldly to the throne of grace because you know He loves you. You know you're still His kid. Are you that rooted and grounded in love? If you don't have that foundation, uh, spiritual warfare is going to be tough for you. Okay. Now, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying God loves you so much you can just do what you want and it'll be okay. It, there, I have a whole different set of verses for just deciding God loves me, so I'm going to do what I want. All right? Those verses aren't as encouraging. <laughs> I'm talking about people who are with a yes in their heart, yes. who are trying to follow God, uh, and are under attack, and maybe you're failing. Amen. Maybe you're behind a little bit, but you got faith for the second half. Yeah. Understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So we got to be rooted and grounded in love to survive spiritual warfare. Does it make sense? Because the main tactic uh, of the devil is to try and separate us from God so he can beat us up. He's a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Or he acts like a roaring lion, as Lori pointed out. Looking for someone he can devour. Well, let's not give him the opportunity. Okay. Point number two. Uh, lean into God. We talked about grace. We come boldly before the throne to obtain mercy and grace. Grace isn't just forgiveness. Grace is empowerment. Grace is God giving us the ability by his spirit to grow and do better. And so we lean into that. God, uh, I'm in a war here and I'm, I'm not doing that well and I need help. I'm going to lean on you. I'm not just going to try and do it for you. I'm not just going to try and tough it out and be a good spiritual war for God, I'm, I need help. I need grace. I'm going to lean on you in this. Now, God will sometimes uh, allow spiritual attack for just this purpose. We're not leaning enough. He takes us, uh, John Moss did a great teaching on this back in, I think, November. He takes us into the wilderness sometimes so that we will come up out of the wilderness leaning on our beloved. That's Song of Solomon. Sometimes he'll force us into a situation where we can learn to lean on him. And spiritual warfare is a great opportunity. God will use spiritual attack for his purposes. It's his devil. He can use him for his purposes if he wants to, right? So God will do that. Now, he doesn't always do that. Sometimes you get attacked, you realize what it is, you go, no, in the name of Jesus, stop that, and you're done. Right? And that's awesome. And keep doing that. But that's not always the case. Sometimes 
God's using it to get you to lean. And so you got to lean. Uh, Paul had one of these times. He talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Now, Paul had some pretty good revelations. Apparently, he got to go to the third heaven and walk around and see stuff that he wasn't allowed to talk about. So he didn't write that down. He just said, I know some stuff, but I can't tell you. Right? But they loved that. I bet people are always bugging Paul. Really? Come on, tell me something you saw. Wouldn't do it. He had some amazing revelation. And it says, uh, because of this, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now, that sounds like spiritual warfare, doesn't it? You know, you're just walking along, mind your own business, and the next thing you know, you got a devil that's walking with you going, I'm, I'm just here to give you a hard time. Paul's experience. He says, and it was given to him, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, catch that. Apparently, the light that he had received the great revelation that he had received got matched a little bit with some darkness, like I was talking about. Now, we like it the other way around. When darkness increases, give me more light. In this case, God figured Paul uh, needed that revelation, but it also, it was so good, it made him a little cocky. Knowledge puffs up, right? And so I'm going to have to help him with that. So I'm going to let this messenger of Satan. That sounds heavy, but... How many of you, given that choice, would go, well, no thanks. I'll just do without the revelation. <laughs> you understand the revelation is what caused the warfare. Sometimes the thing we want puts us in a higher level of warfare, right? Uh, I don't know if Paul knew that going in, but I'll bet you, given the choice, Paul would have said, yes, I still want to go to heaven and walk around and see stuff. Even though... It's going to mean some spiritual battle afterwards. And so here's what God said. He said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, eh, no. He said, uh, tell you what we're going to do. My grace is sufficient for you. My empowerment is going to be enough in this. For my strength is made perfect in weakness, specifically in your weakness, Paul. I'm going to display my strength to your weakness. And I love Paul's response. Uh, Paul basically goes, awesome, good plan. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, who's really strong? God, through Paul. But he's getting it. You understand Sometimes the spiritual attack is to allow God to be strong in us, not our own strength. And uh, he'll use it for his purposes to bring us to a greater level of grace. Rachel was walking around the house uh, listening to Graham Cook the other day. And she, when she hears something good, it's great because she listens to the teachings and then she quotes me the good stuff. And so it's a lot shorter for me. <laughs> Uh, so she quoted me, Graham Cook, uh, and, and I can't remember the exact quote, but I have the gist of it. It's basically this. Graham's talking. He says, listen, when you have a negative reaction to someone, they make you angry, they make you afraid, they make you upset, they make you jealous, they make you uh, whatever. He says, when you have a, a negative reaction to others, 
they aren't causing the reaction. They're revealing something in you. You catch that? Try that the next time you're yelling at your kids. You kids are making me angry. No? Yes. You... <laughs> correct statement, I'm not sure if this will work as well, is you kids are revealing anger in me that I don't like. Ouch. You understand the difference? And sometimes that's what God wants. Sometimes God will allow people to reveal stuff in us because he wants us to see it so he can give us grace. It's an opportunity for refining. It's an opportunity to be refined. How many of you like being refined? Just, just, just only fed. Okay. Uh, how many of you recognize the need to be refined? Good. That's consistent with Scripture. It says no discipline is pleasant for the moment, but it yields the fruit of righteousness. So we do it. Amen? So we lean into God in spiritual warfare. It's a time to lean into God. It's a time to find out where we have weak points. Uh, also in morning prayer, just in case you're bored and you're noticing how often spiritual things happen in morning prayer and teachings come out of it and want to be a part of that, I'm just saying. Um, Denise had uh, really kind of a, a, a word and a vision together. Or God spoke to her through a picture, however you want to look at it. And I want to look at that because uh, not only will spiritual warfare reveal uh, character flaws, it will often reveal wounding, and wounding leads to character flaws. Uh, if we have unhealed wounds, and you know, at some point, who doesn't? That's why we take them to God. That they will cause character issues in our lives, right? And there'll be uh, opportunities for the enemy to attack those weak points of spiritual warfare. And so God will want to highlight those and give us grace for those areas. And so as I was, you know, getting the sense that I was supposed to teach into this, uh, somewhere in there, Denise got this, so I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, it says, during prayer on Tuesday morning when we were praying about relationships, uh, Psalm 147.3 came to mind, which says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And as I was reflecting on this verse, I saw a pottery vessel with a crack running down the side of it. I also noticed that there was a piece missing out of the side of the vessel. It wasn't a huge piece, but it was big enough that if you were to fill this vessel, whatever was poured into it after the point of that missing piece would leak out, preventing the vessel from being completely filled. Anybody want to be completely filled? Yes. Okay. I believe the vessel represents a person, and the missing piece represents some type of hurt or wounding the person was holding on to and that was causing unforgiveness and brokenheartedness. As I prayed about this, I believe the Lord was asking the person to give him this broken peace. And as they would release this peace to him, he would take it, restore it to the place in the vessel, and make the vessel whole and complete again, so that he could then be filled. I believe as this person released the peace, uh, this peace of hurt and wounding to him, that God would release his peace and healing in exchange for it. It's a good word. You understand how that works. 
we think we're doing okay. Uh, yeah, I'm really, I still really have an issue with that one person who wounded me, but I'm doing fine with God. And God goes, uh, yeah, you're doing fine with me, but I want to give you something, but I can't go past that wound. We need to heal that. And uh, a lot of times, uh, we'll have spiritual warfare. We'll have an issue, and we'll realize as we're praying and processing with God, oh, this is going back to something that happened to me. This is going back to, uh, you know, a fear of rejection or a, or a failure or whatever. And we have to go back and deal with that thing in our history that caused a gap that he can't fill past. Does this make sense? Okay, so if that's for you, you and God work that out. Uh, it's good work. All right. Point number three, we have to choose to fight. You might underline the word choose. Um, because we can choose not to. And in fact, the enemy is basically trying to get you to choose not to. His first tactic is to try and is to do the it isn't me thing and try and get you to not fight him at all so he can just wreck your life. His second uh, tactic is to be a bully. Did you realize he's a bully? You guys ever dealt with a bully? Uh, let me give you, I'm going to tell you a story. This is my how I learned the devil is a bully story. And this is really old. I was a pretty new believer I was a couple years old in the Lord, and I'm, I'm feeling strongly that I need to, you know, grow in prayer, and I'm praying. I'm trying to have a real consistent prayer time. Now, just so you understand, uh, I got uh, saved just after college. I gave my life to the Lord. Uh, in college, I was the guy in my fraternity who did the parties. I, I was the social chairman. That was the technical title for the guy who bought all the beer um, <laughs> and planned ways to get girls to come drink the beer with us. So that was my job. Uh, enough said, you fill in the blanks. Uh, so now I'm saved. I'm living a radically different lifestyle. And uh, I'm going to prayer. And there was this period of time where every time I would go to pray, um, some old girlfriend would come to mind, and not in a good way. And it was a little distracting for prayer. It was almost as if something was saying, if you pray, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to keep reminding you of this stuff. And so I started dialoguing with God about this. I think, I don't want to do about this. This is really annoying. It's, it's hard to pray when this is happening. Uh, and, and this is where God showed me, well, he's a bully. He's, you know, trying to puff his chest out and say, if you pray, I'm going to do this. And then he reminded me of a verse, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So now wait a minute. How can he bully me if I'm bigger than him? Now I'm not bigger than him, but Jesus in me is bigger than him, right? So how can he effectively be a bully if uh, I'm bigger than him? And so I'm, I'm, and God kind of went, yeah, now you're getting it. So I went, Okay i got to find a way to make it cost him. He's going, if you pray, I'm going to do this. I need it. If you do this, I'm going to. I need to be a bigger bully to him. <laughs> right? And so I came up with one. I went, all right. <laughs> this was fun. I said, I, I, I started my, and I don't recommend this. This was a special case. But I started my prayer times talking to the devil first. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to pray now. I know you're going to try and. Distract me. So here's the deal. You bring up any old girlfriend you want. Here we go. And it happened. 
And I just stopped whatever I was praying for at that point and started praying for whoever that was. Lord, I just pray you would encounter her. Lord, I just pray you would send laborers to her. Lord, I just pray you would give her revelation of your love. Lord, I just, I just did that for a little while. And I'd go back to my praying. Another one came up. I just started interceding for her. I don't, I don't know if any of these girls ever got saved, but I'm certainly praying for them. And so now he didn't just stop right away. That went on for three days pretty consistently. And after three days, he got tired of giving me a prayer list and <laughs> shifted tactics. Now, that's a very specific application. You probably you know, were much better than me and have you know, different applications. But uh, the point is this, uh, the revelation that he's a bully, but that I'm bigger in Jesus, and I can make it cost him. And I just find, I do that paragraph, I'm going to find a way to make it cost him for attacking me for that, right? It's usually something spiritual. Now, so that is the deal. Warfare is just part of the calling. It just goes with the job. Do you understand? I love people say being a Christian is like being in a war. I go, it is not. It's not like being in a war. When I was 12 and we took BB guns and shot at each other, that was like being in a war. The worst thing that happened was I got hit by a BB. That was not like being in Vietnam, where real bullets hit you. I said, being a Christian is being in a war. It's not like being in a war. It's a war. You joined a war already in progress the moment you became a Christian. You need to realize that. Warfare is just part of the deal. It just comes with the territory. So how many of you know Brian Johnson? Know of Brian Johnson? A few of you. It's pretty well known. He's a very famous worship leader. His, his, his dad's Bill Johnson. Leads a large church in Bethel. Uh, Bethel Church out in California. Brian's a worship leader and has written books, I think, and teaches some and pastors some, all that stuff. Very well known. Very successful worship leader, right? Did you know that Brian, as a young man, or as a boy, really, uh, had tremendous spiritual attack uh, with anxiety and fear. I mean, debilitating anxiety and fear. Uh, it's, like, it's almost like the devil knew his calling and decided at an early age he was going to circumvent it. The big bully, picking on kids. Would the devil do that? He doesn't care. He'll pick on anybody. And so he had this debilitating anxiety and fear, except for six months. There was a six-month period of time as a teenager where he, he decided, uh, I'm not, I'm gonna, I don't know about this Christianity stuff. I'm going to do something else. And he kind of went prodigal. And he made it a whole six months before the goodness of God uh, chased him down. And, and he came back. Now, in that six-month period, he had zero attacks of anxiety. How long do you think it took for he had one after he came back? That night. That night. Do you understand? Now, here's the other thing. Did he overcome? Yes. He is a well-known uh, worship leader. He overcame. Did he overcome that night? No. It was another couple of years of doing warfare and sticking with it. But he won. He won in the fourth quarter. You understand? Guys, this is just the deal. We signed up for this. Now, the bottom line is we have to learn to war. I love Psalm 144. Uh, 
couple of different psalms say this, where David says, you teach my hands to war. Now, he was pretty good with the sword, but I think there are spiritual implications there also. God will teach us to war. God will give us things to help us to war if we want to learn, but we have to want to learn. In fact, it's so important in Judges, uh, it says that when the Israelites came into the land, he specifically left some of the ites, some of the enemies of God in the land so that the young men who had not been to war for the land would have the opportunity to learn war. He left them enemies so they could learn how to fight. I think there's a spiritual picture there. He leaves us enemies so that we can learn how to fight because we're going to have to. Now, I have a whole several-week series teaching on spiritual warfare that I'm not going to do right now. Um, and you can probably find it. I can't remember. It's been a couple years since I've done it. We may come back around to that. It might be. It's probably good to do that every three or four years. Uh, so I'll just give you the very brief this. Spiritual warfare is all about the Word. In Matthew 4, Jesus is taken by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness, specifically to be tempted by the devil, and he is tempted three times. The Son of God, who never sinned, who is all-powerful, who could just, you know, flick the devil anytime he wants, uh, said, each time he was attacked, it is written. He used the word. I believe he was giving us an example. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, the, the spiritual armor in Ephesians 6, the word is the sword of the spirit. We need a sword. So spiritual warfare is all about the word, knowing the word, redeeming our minds with the word, taking thoughts captive with the word, declaring the word in faith, resisting the devil with the word. No, 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 I'm not answering that question. It is written. No, 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 I'm not buying that God's upset with me. It is written. Right? No, 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 I'm not going to be afraid. It is written. You get your it is written for your deal. Right? And so we have to learn to do that. In fact, uh, we have to, uh, I think part of the reason that spiritual warfare for us here locally is increasing is because we've been pressing in. And when you press in, warfare increases. There was a great example of this. How many of you remember, uh, uh, Ellie uh, came and spoke at Youth Sunday? How many of you heard that? It's really good, wasn't it? Anyone surprised that that Monday she had a significant spiritual attack against her emotions? Anyone surprised? Now, I said, you know, technically, she started it. She punched him right in the face. <laughs> Pretty hard with her testimony, right? So sure, he's going to punch back. But here's what was interesting. So she gives her testimony on Sunday. She comes under spiritual attack on Monday. On, and on Tuesday morning, we're at morning prayer, which happens every Tuesday and Thursday, from 7 to 8.30 in case you're bored. Um, and Brandy's there, and she says, hey, can we pray for Ellie? She really got hit with the spiritual attack afterwards. And so we did. So the next day, uh, Brandy's at work, and she says, she says, yeah, Ellie came to me and said, it's like the devil's disciplining me. And I went, brilliant. You know how long it takes people to understand that? She got it in the first try. That's awesome. She figured out what was going on. Amen. That's good. Now all she has to do is decide what she's going to do about it. 
Is she going to climb out of the ring or is she going to punch him again? I'm going to put her back in the game. I think she's got some lion in her. Amen? You understand? We've got to decide to fight. Because he's doing everything he can just to get us to back off. Just, you can go to church. You can even go to heaven. Just don't mess with my kingdom of darkness here. Don't mess with the gates of hell. Don't cross this line. Don't pray. Just, I mean, do a little, but you know. You got to decide. It's going to be a fight. Number four, share the battle. Because as Lori said, the enemy is roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I don't know if you've ever watched a lion hunt, but if there's a big herd of wildebeest or something, they don't jump in the middle of the herd and just start biting. What do they do? Yeah, they isolate one. And that one's in trouble. <laughs> right? And he'll do that. He wants to isolate and devour. Now, I want you to know, of all these points, this is the one that I felt God really emphasizing. It was like he's going, make sure you say this one. Make sure they get this one. Share the battle. Get help. I want my people helping each other. Specifically in the battle. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, first two verses, talks about this. It says, brethren... If a man is overtaken in any trespass, that means somebody's struggling. They're probably in spiritual warfare, and they're probably losing a little bit, right? It says, uh, you who are spiritual, you who uh, know how to do spiritual warfare, you, knew, you who are doing a little better, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Because you know if you wait in, he's going to punch you too, yeah. Right? You understand what this verse is saying? The context of this verse is struggling with our issues. And he's saying, you guys who are spiritual, help. And then he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What are the burdens? It's our warfare. He's just saying, help each other. Help each other with warfare. And again, God was really emphasizing this. Help each other. So, you know, I don't necessarily share all my struggles with everybody. I want to limit that to people I kind of trust, right? But find somebody that when you need a partner, they can war with you. And I love that we pray for each other, and that's good. But I'm saying go beyond that. Go beyond just praying for each other and also fight spiritual warfare with each other. Rachel and I do this all the time. I don't just pray for Rachel and Rachel prays for me. We go, hey, I'm struggling with this thing. Or she goes, hey, I'm getting hit by this thing. And we stop and we together go after that thing. Both of us talk to it, right? We war together. You can do that. You can get partners. Now, please don't everyone call me. Uh, you know, group up amongst yourselves. Be happy to help when I can, but I don't have time for everybody to be your personal spiritual warfare partner. But that's okay. There's lots of people in here that are spiritual that know how to do this. They'll be happy to pray with you. Amen? Okay. And the final point, and again, before I go on to that, point four, really want to emphasize that God emphasized this point. Apparently, uh, for right now, this is, there's, I know that means there's got to be people who are feeling like they're alone, they're isolated, and they're fighting, they're losing, and he's going, get help. Let someone fight with you. Find someone you trust. 
and begin to, you know, maybe go to a prayer meeting. By the way, we have prayer on Tuesday and Thursday mornings <laughs> from 7 to 8.30, as well as uh, every, is it second and fourth Thursdays? As well as every second and fourth Thursday from, uh, from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. in case your mornings are too busy. And uh, yeah, and um, Sunday before church from 9.15 to 9.45, just in case you're bored. Okay. Now, number five, don't give up. And here's all I really want to say about this. Gary did an excellent teaching last week, a lot of stuff about faith. I don't want to get back into the whole teaching on faith, but I do want to say this. Faith is basically believing God over a long period of time. It is all about persistence. We have somehow believed that, you know, greater faith means things happen faster. You know, I go, miracle, bam, miracle, bam, miracle, bam. I have awesome faith. Three miracles in 17 seconds. <laughs> well, does it take more faith to do that or to believe for weeks in the midst of spiritual warfare for my miracle until I get it. Which do you think takes more faith? I'll tell you which one's more biblical. And I'm all for, if you're doing instant miracles, don't stop. <laughs> I'm all for, we pray for them and they get healed right then. And that happens. But the scriptures say, Hebrews 10, 36, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. There are a lot of people who have been given promises from God that they didn't receive because they didn't endure. Right? We're a fourth quarter team. Stay in the game. Stay in faith over time. Luke 18, parable of the persistent widow. You guys know the story. She bugs the judge until she gets justice, right? And he told us that that was, he was telling that parable to teach us that we always ought to pray and not lose heart. And he ends with this statement. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? He makes it a faith issue. Persistence is a faith issue. And so don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Lay hold of something. Uh, the, the thing is, if you can get a promise from God, and you got a book full of them, but sometimes you can even get a more specific one. God will speak to you. You can, just, you can just lean on God and lean on that promise and keep going until something happens. Amen? Okay, so uh, Rachel, you want to come up? And who you want? You want just Jubilee? Okay, Jubilee and Rachel come and make some music. Here's what I want to do. I really felt like, especially on point four, which God was emphasizing, um, the whole thing about sharing, I really felt like I wanted to go into just another song or two of worship and give an opportunity for us to pray for each other. So I want the ministry team to come up front. Now you can get prayer for anything you want. You want prayer for healing, uh, to be taller? I don't care. Except Robert. Robert can't get prayer for that. He's tall enough. Um, but specifically, if you're battling, if you're struggling, if you're, if you're even struggling and losing, uh, come get somebody to pray for you. 
Now, you can tell them your issue. If you don't want to, just tell them, just pray for me. I'm struggling. You don't have to tell them your issue. Uh, you don't have to come up here. You can make the person next to you pray for you if you like them and trust them. If you like, you know, that'll work. I just want to give you an opportunity as we've listened to this, knowing that a lot of us have been getting beat up a little bit, and maybe you're going, huh, I was falling for that thing and not thinking it was a spiritual attack, and now I think maybe it is. I'm going to go get someone to pray with me, and we'll just punch that thing together. Amen? You up for it?